Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL show that even ran on Memorial Day because we love you so much. I'm Will Brinson, the host of said podcast. This is my final podcast, at least temporarily anyway, uh, while I go on vacation, which also means that we're going to put a little bit of hiatus on these team-by-team shows because Pete Prisco, who's going to be filling in uh, this week, is too good for those. Too good for too much, Pete. But Pete is good enough to fill in and host. Uh, you can follow him at PriscoCBS on Twitter. Um, you can tweet me and let me know if, his, if you don't like him on the show or if you do like him. I know some guy that you will like, Adam Beasley, who's joining us to talk about the Miami Dolphins. We did the Buffalo Bills of Memorial Day. And Bees, now we get you're – the, you're the first – since this podcast has gone daily, you're the first ever two-time guest. Oh, my. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Well, I, I will ask you this, Brinson. Since we're doing this, we're, we're taping this uh, at dawn on Memorial Day, Monday <laughs> of Memorial Day. Do I get time and a half for this? Uh, you do. You can bill EK, who um, who's, who's my boss and, and podcast uh, consigliere. I don't know, I don't know if that's a compliment. I'm trying to I'm trying to say he's in charge of the podcast um, or in charge of putting putting uh, me in a certain direction. But uh, you you were actually hanging out with him last night. And he cooked you. Yeah, up. he was. Uh, he had me over to his house. Uh, his uh, beautiful family. We uh, very kind. He made a, uh, a tenderloin, which was incredible. But he was aghast that you had not yet taped this. He's like, wait, what are, what are you talking about? Wait, wait, wait. wait Brinson's taped it tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that will be fine. Don't worry. I'll uh, I'll keep it the, the, just as six bourbons, not seven. And that makes sure I get I get up on time. So <laughs> you know, it's it's a little rough today, but I'm I'm looking outside. It's not pouring for the first time in a month, so that's good. We uh, we have tentative plans to go out in a boat nice. uh, this this morning. So that's all reasons why I want to get this done as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. So in, in case anything big breaks on Memorial Day. Just forgive us. Let's dive into some other news <laughs> that's going around the NFL. Um, notably, Beasley, I don't know if you, and by the way, you can follow Adam at Adam H. Beasley on Twitter. You can read him at the Miami Herald. Uh, you should, you should be doing that for all your Dolphins coverage or just general NFL chatter. So Teddy Bridgewater was one of three quarterbacks acquired by the New York Jets this offseason. They signed Josh McCown, of course, and drafted Sam Darnold. Bridgewater looked like after the draft, like as the guy who would likely be cut out of that trio because he's coming back from a serious knee injury. The team doesn't have any, any time with him as he was, he's been with the Vikings his whole career. They're going to have to play Darnold. It's just hard to get snaps there. And now th- there was a story from Rich Semini of ESPN over the weekend that Bridgewater is, I, mean, I don't, this isn't the phrase they use, but that Basically, that Bridgewater's blowing people away, both his teammates and his and his coaches. Um, you know, with the way he's playing at OTAs and with with how he's looked and how he's picking up the offense. And there's some debate about, at least internally, it seems as if maybe Bridgewater could be the guy in Week One. Are you buying or selling this as a uh, as an OTAs type of situation where you know we, we hype up somebody, <laughs> or do you think this is potentially real? I I, I love. OTA competitions, by the way, I, I love the chatter that surrounds. Uh, well, first of all, I, I, what I love most is OTA play by play on Twitter. That's, oh God, it's the worst. That's got to be the best thing. Of uh, it's, it's reason. It's the reason the forum was invented. I think Hackenberg um, over four. So, oh. Okay, you know what? I don't need the Jets quarterback. So that's let's a- be clear. I, I'm I'm very skeptical because I've seen it over the course of seven seasons covering this franchise when guys look like Pro Bowlers and shorts, and then they disappear uh, when August sure. comes around. 
and and you know defensive line we could actually get a step on the offensive line and 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 and, and all that so with that caveat I'm not surprised that Bridgewater looks good because he's a good quarterback he's a guy that um before his injury was pretty good it was I mean it wasn't great but it was pretty good and um you know it's he's kind of a guy I don't know about you but I, I totally forgot about like I totally forgot that he was a National Football League quarterback until the Jets signed him and um it's just a testament to how big of an injury that was and I feel probably yeah. a lot of people feel that way about Ryan Tannehill too uh, but he's just been off the radar for so long that people forget that he was he was pretty good. He was a first round pick for a reason, and he, you know, what, what was uh, his full year as a starter or the Vikings record was was pretty good. I mean, he yeah, he, gave, well, he 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 always was sort of like a not an Alex Smith type. I don't want mm-hmm. it to be an insult, but I mean, like he was never taking the top off. But he looked like a he looked, he looked like he had a really high floor mm-hmm. even as a rookie, and he went six and six as a rookie in, in twelve games. And then they went 11 and 5 in his second year. He goes to the Pro Bowl. They go to the playoffs. You know, they, they, uh, I think they hosted a, yeah, they hosted a playoff game because the Seahawks came there and, and, and Blair Walsh. Oh, that was that Blair field Walsh goal. Game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It all comes back to me now. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, like he only had 14 touchdowns and nine interceptions, but you know, if you can, if you can manage a young, Offense and back in 2015, remember this wasn't a you know this wasn't a loaded offense. Like it didn't they didn't have Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen as we know them. You know they, they this was an offense with a bad offensive line that had some okay weapons and Teddy Bridgewater managed to get them to to the playoffs and to win the division. And, and so if you can pair a guy like that with a good defense and the Jets, I think will have a good young defense. You got something cooking, which is yeah. So it's an interesting conundrum for the Jets. Now I would I think that. Your skepticism is is very much warranted because the Samini also notes that the, the Jets would love to trade Bridgewater because <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day they're not going to they're probably not going to be able to play him more than like four or five games unless he just comes out of the box undefeated. Yeah, I don't know why Buffalo didn't go after him. Did you did you ever hear a reason no. as to why there was no interest there? No, I, no, I, no, I didn't. I mean, it, it would have made a lot of sense from. You know, from from the perspective of, I mean, like, Teddy Bridgewater would make a lot of sense for whatever team drafted Josh Allen. If you thought that, um, or even you know, Lamar Jackson, like somebody you think that you're going to sit for, you know, say, someone you would like to sit for a full year. Like Teddy Bridgewater has upside left in him, despite the. I mean, ten years ago, if he'd suffered that knee injury, maybe you give up and say, "Hey, look, you know, this guy's just not coming back from this knee injury." But but in 2018, I mean, you can come back from a a really bad torn ACL and a really bad knee injury and you can, you can make noise. And so it is surprising that it's a, it's a little surprising that Bridgewater signed with the Jets too, knowing they would draft a quarterback, um, knowing that, uh, you know, Josh McCown was going to be there too. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, if he were in Buffalo, I would definitely have him pegged as the favorite to start for the Bills. Over yeah, and AJ McCarron or Nathan. I agree, and the, and the Jets are not going to trade him to Buffalo. That's just not going to happen. No. So I think the Bills. I mean, I wonder if they regret it now. Uh, I, I haven't heard much out of Buffalo about how McCarron's looked this spring. Have you? No. It, it seems to that that is telling, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like it, it seems to be that the hype is focused on like how how nice Josh Allen is, or like how how ready Josh Allen is. Um, we got Tim Graham with his, uh, yeah, 17 part series, right? I mean, uh, I think one for every year of his life they've got up in the <laughs> Buffalo News. So there have not been that, that kind of coverage for AJ McCarron. No, there has not been. And I, I, I wonder, 
they're in a tricky spot. I mean, what do you do if you're the Bills? Because I don't think you can necessarily fire Josh Allen out there. And you know, I, mean, I mean, he's 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 the most likely bust, right? Of that group, he's he is he is a candidate A for just total whiff and yes. complete bust. That, yes. That's again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I would say if you're going to rank in likelihood of those five quarterbacks who are just going to be awful, it's him, right? If you were going to rank. The quarterback most likely to a not make a Pro Bowl in the rookie contract and b not have their fifth year option picked up by the team that drafted them. I would say that Josh Allen is easily number one because of his floor. Now, look, I mean, like he might be great. I mean, can't you know Cam Newton and I'm, Cam Newton was a big, athletic, inaccurate quarterback coming out of Auburn. Now, Cam ran a lot more and. Um, you know, but he had, he had one year at Auburn running that Gus Malzahn offense that, that led them to the title. And of course he had much more statistical success at Auburn, but he came into the NFL and people were like, oh, he's got to sit. I mean, people forget this, but in 2011, there, the argument was being made that, uh, Jimmy Clausen should start over Cam Newton. And, and then Cam, <laughs> you know, Cam looked terrible in the preseason because it was a shortened, strike shortened year. Um, it's probably the same year you started covering the. Is that the same year you started covering the Dolphins? Uh, Twelve is my first year on the beat, so it's been a long time. Yeah, it really has been. Huh? A lot of losses. A lot of losses. <laughs> um, and by the way, the Bills with the Josh Allen thing—they open up, and I, we talked about this yesterday uh, with Chris Trapasso, But they open up just so you know, so you can point this out at, uh, at, at you know, and, and and make people think you're smart when it comes to the Bills' schedule. They play the, uh, which is the worst thing to be smart about. They play, <laughs> they play the Ravens, Chargers, Vikings, and Packers, and only the Chargers are at home in their first first four weeks. That's called the AJ McCarron death gauntlet. And then the week after that is over. I almost bet they play Josh Allen. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. So you get those four losses out of the way. They'll go one and three. They'll win one of the three because they have too much talent to go in four. But they'll they'll go one and three, and uh, we'll we'll all say, oh, I mean, you got to go to the rookie, right? I mean. Yep. At this point in the season, you need a spark, and you look at things completely outside of AJ McCarron's control. <laughs> he runs through that buzzsaw, and uh, and the team writes him off. But look, it's it's the same every every it's just team. Like, that just like Mike Lennon and Mitchell Trubisky. Exactly. Yeah, it's a perfect example. Every team that drafts a quarterback high has the same kind of charade that oh yeah we're going to be competitive with this guy. Uh, we're, we're you know we our plan is not to play the rookie right away. We're going to bring him along. The Dolphins had that same plan. I don't know if you remember this. The end of the David Garrard uh, era was uh, 2012 when the Dolphins were on Hard Knocks, actually. And he was – it was him, Matt Moore, and Ryan Tannehill in camp. Yes. And Garrard was supposed to be the starter. They, they called an open competition, but Garrard was clearly the front runner to start week one. Um, he gets hurt before the first preseason game, I think. Yes, that's and, right. And immediately – uh, Ryan Tannehill becomes a starter. So Matt Moore had zero chance. So yeah, they, they structure these things like, oh, it's a competition or we're going to bring this guy along. But these teams just want to see what they have in their quarterback. And I think we're beyond the point now that you, you suck for half a season and it messes with your confidence. I mean, it, is that really, a, is that really a concern anymore? I mean, is that something that, that keeps coaches up and like, oh man, we can't rush our rookie in too soon. No, you got to play these guys. You got, you play them as soon as, as you can, as soon as you don't think you're hurting your team competitively by doing so. And if you're out of it, who cares? I mean, that, that's the opinion I have. You don't you don't learn so much by watching as you learn by failing. And you got to let these guys fail. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm chuckling. It's like, like, I think that's what I'm going to go down and tell my wife when she's mad at me for podcasting. <laughs> you don't learn. You don't learn by you don't learn by watching, honey. But you I mean you're right. I agree with you. Like you can't. Um, you look. I was looking at the Tannehill run. I, I'd forgotten that 
you know, they won three of their – they went three and three in their first six games and two overtime losses to the Cardinals and Jets. They were almost pretty good out of the game. Oh, that Cardinals game was bananas. That was uh, – I think Brian Hartline had like 250 that day. I mean, wow. Something insane. Like the most ridiculous stat line for an average wide receiver you're ever going to find. <laughs> I mean, he went absolutely nuts in that Cardinals game. And they had – I think they had the ball up four – with with a minute to go or a minute and a half to go, and they fumbled and lost the game. I mean, it was crazy. Oh, my goodness. You were correct, Bees. Look at this. 212 catches, 253 yards, and a touchdown for Brian Hartline. And, yeah. And uh, let's see. Don't, if... don't ask me what my anniversary is, but I remember that garbage. <laughs> Please do not ask me when my anniversary is. <laughs> I think it's in February. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian Tannehill pass incomplete in overtime for Brian Hartline. Uh, at around, uh, intercepted at the, at the, basically the 50 yard line. And, uh, and then the, the Cardinals went down and, and kicked a field goal to win. Wow. Good memory. I mean, I'm, yeah. imp- I'm impressed. That's, uh, I wouldn't have. Well, I mean, there's, there's a ton of, like, th- those are one of very few games that stand out because the Dolphins had offense. Ah. So <laughs> when you see points scored, it kind of, it's, it, it resonates in a beat writer's mind because those moments are few and far between. By the way, how far into our six pack are we? Uh, we're not really going to do a six pack. We're just going to dive into the Dolphins stuff. Now that okay. I was going to actually segue into the Dolphins and point out that, you know, since you had mentioned them, point out that, um, I'm, I'm not sure they have offense this year. Do they have offense oh, this year? Oh, that is a good segue. Wow. You, you, you must be a trained broadcast professional. I'm just a man trying to get to nine o'clock, Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, look, here's know. a, you know, I, I, you put me on blast last time because I got fed that bad information about Josh, uh, uh, Josh Rosen, how I thought that he was the guy, and it was totally a smokescreen, and I got hook, line, and sinkered. So here's another one. Wait, 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 hold on, let's get back to that. And, and for uh-huh. those that didn't listen, Beasley pointed out that the Dolphins love Josh Rosen. Why did you get put on blast, and by who? Who put you on blast? By, by you. Like, uh, you, you were the, the Twitter t- t- tease for the segment, which I'm sure did great. I'm sure, you know, it, it tripled, if not quadrupled, your listenership that did. Beasley's hot take was out there. But uh, somebody who was informed or thought they were informed told me that, uh, yeah, he likes Mayfield, but he really loves Rosen. And he's obsessed with the guy. And so I wrote it. And obviously the team, that was a complete smokescreen because they had every opportunity to get Josh Rosen. And they didn't. I mean, True, to trade up. But it would have been expensive. I was told definitively by a very informed source that there is no way they were taking Josh Rosen. Ah, all right, cool. Uh, sorry. Well, what did you think of the, we haven't talked since we talked before the draft. So what did you think of the Minka Fitzpatrick pick? That's, did you like it as much as Steven Ross? Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Let's, let's just take a second and think about how, uh, if you're Mike Tannebaum right now, you've twice heard your owner in the span of four months, three months, whatever it is. Say, yeah, this plan I don't know about on the record to mm-hmm. reporters at the owners meeting. We met with them and we asked them, Hey, what did you think about, uh, when, 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 when Mike and, and Adam and, and Chris Greer came up to you and said, you know what? We're going to cut a bunch of our best players. Like all the Pro Bowls we have are going to walk out the door aside from Rashad Jones and Steve Ross, who's painfully honest, uh, told us, uh, yeah, I was worried. Uh, I was pretty skeptical when I heard that, but they convinced me. I mean, how rousing of a vote of confidence your all season plan is that when the owner tells a bunch of reporters, "Yeah, I, I, I was, I thought they were crazy." It, um, it doesn't sound, and, it doesn't sound appealing. He doesn't sound, he doesn't sound appealed. <laughs> no. And then uh, Ben Bowen up in Boston had a report about how uh, when the Dolphins were on the clock and Minka fell to them, which was a complete steal, right? I mean, they picked outside the top ten and uh, top five talents there on the board. You, you don't even think twice about it. 
And, and the, as the reporting goes and, and, and our, my colleague Armando Sagero since talked to Steve Ross about it, um, he was like, yo, let's think about this. Maybe we get more value by trading back. Maybe this is the smart move for us. And, uh, Gase and Tannenbaum and Greer had to convince him, no, we don't pass up on a guy like this. This is a really good player. We need to take him at 11. And, and Ross admitted that on the record too. So twice now it's gotten out that Ross has not been on the same page with the people making the football decisions. Which to me is fascinating. I don't, I don't know if Steve Ross is a much, is enough media savvy to have done this, but if he wanted to intentionally turn up the gas mm. on the people making the decisions on the football side of the operations of his franchise, he did it perfectly. Because when twice now, the owner could go back and say, Hey, I was on record saying this was kind of a crazy idea and it blows up in their faces. Look, I mean, here's a perfect example. We talked about Josh Rosen. Even Josh Allen wouldn't have been crazy to go up there and get, again, what was it, seven? Is that where Buffalo seven, got yeah. him? Seven, they traded the table, yeah. It, it wouldn't have taken all that much to go up and get him at seven if they really loved Josh Allen. Instead, um, they, they they probably would have taken – they would have considered Mayfield 11, but that's the only of the four, and, and Darnold wasn't going to be there either. But um, they had chances to get better at the quarterback position and did not. They did not draft a quarterback at all. After all that talk about we need a quarterback, we need to get younger, we need competition – it was all complete BS, and uh, the owner <laughs> obviously probably knew there was some smoke there, but he's also going to be thinking if Ryan Tannehill blows out his knee a third time in as many seasons and we go 3-13, and 13, we could have had Josh Rosen here who would have stepped in and maybe played pretty well for us. Instead, our quarterbacks are Brock Osweiler and David Fales and Bryce Petty, which um, – aren't good. None of those guys are great. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think Ross is setting himself up, whether intentionally or not, to have an exit strategy with at least one of those three guys if things go sideways this year. I don't think they will. I'm actually a bullish on this team. Wow. And this, this all gets back to the, the offense question you had. And, uh, another time that I got roasted on Twitter, uh, for, for something that, uh, I'm going to say now, and this can be what you, you know, the, 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 the hot take. Yes. I think this, I think this team can, if not will, score 25 points a game this season. Wow. Okay, that's uh, that would be a lot of points. I think that the NFL lead is usually around like 32. Um, how yeah, the, it's, four, how, it's, it's, it's 400 points. Uh, which, how the hell are they going to do that? Uh, well, you get three downs, you get 10 yards, Will. <laughs> um, and if you do that, you get 10 more. You get three more downs for 10 more yards. And, yeah, no, they just – Okay, okay. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – so when I was um, – Talking with, uh, oh God, who, oh, it was Danny Kelly on, on, on Friday's show. And the phrase that I like to use, Beasley, is when I squint at the depth chart, like, and, and this happens, this, I, what I try to do is I try to, I go to like rlads.com, Dolphins depth chart, and I try to look at the depth chart and I try to convince myself what the best case and what the worst case for you. <laughs> I mean, like, like you, just, like you just try to talk yourself into something and, and I can, I mean, not to steal whatever you're going to say, but like I could sort of talk myself into the Dolphins having this uh, blue collar dink and dunk, uh, Frank Gore grinding yards. They're not. Oh, sexy. that's not what they're going to be at all, man. Oh, okay. They've got they've got three of the fastest skill position players in the league now, and oh. that's not, that's not even in, that's not in, even hyperbole. Kenny, uh, in Stills. Kenny, Kenny Stills, yep. Kenyon Drink, and Albert Wilson. Those oh. three guys combined are really fast together, are really, really fast. Mike Jacecki is also very fast. 
Yeah, uh, so long as he's not asked to block, he's pretty <laughs> effective as a player. But yeah, uh, I think this is a team that's going to want to really, really get after it. And they, for, for three years now, Adam Gase has hated his team, absolutely hated his team. <laughs> and he's not hidden that. Like, he'll, after losses, it's like, you know, you got the, you know, the old CIA LSD experiment. I mean, this guy would tell you everything that's on his mind. And, uh, he finally has a roster. He wants to run his system. And people look at, and that's the thing is people look at what they've lost and they say, what are you guys doing? Dominic and Sue, immediately got a big contract. Well, at least a big one-year contract. Sure. Uh, Mike Pouncey immediately got paid. Jarvis Landry is now the fifth highest paid wide receiver in football. These are good players, and you've let them go. And the Dolphins' argument is this. Those, quote-unquote, good players won us six games two of the last three years, okay? We've run our course with what we have. It hasn't worked, and it hasn't worked with what Adam Gase wants to do. People forget that he wants to run a tempo offense. Maybe not Chip Kelly tempo offense, but he wants to get to the line of scrimmage with 30 seconds left on the play clock. And and if he's going to snap with 28, he snaps with 28. If he's going to snap with five, he's going to snap with five. But he's going to play with tempo. He's going to go no huddle. He's going to keep the same personnel on the field for an entire series. And he's going to try to get 70, 75, 80 snaps a game out of his team and out of his offense. And you got, obviously you need to get first downs to do that. But they think they finally have the quarterback in place and the – the, the 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 skilled and smart enough skill position players around him uh, to make it work, and that's part of the problem. Is that you, you look at these players the offense had, they 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 didn't buy into what Gase wanted to do. They didn't want to run the hurry up. They didn't want to know like Jay Ajayi wouldn't study. I mean, that's the one of the biggest reasons he's not here anymore is that he didn't know what the hell he was doing on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, if if you're running the uh, you know the the outside zone and he sees a hole, you can bust it for seventy. But he had a lot of negative plays because he just didn't know what the hell he was doing. And and that's what this entire last six months has been about. It's trying to clear out guys that are not going to do it the way Adam Gase wants to do it. Does it sound like kind of a dictator? Yeah. I mean, you, 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 would, you would argue that other coaches would make it work with what he has. But Gase has been pounding his head against the wall for, for 32 games now with an offense he hates, like literally hates, he does not want to do this. And so I think going back to Steve Ross being 78 years old and needing a winner, if, if Adam Gase is going to go out and I don't think he is, I think he's going to be here beyond this year, but if he's going to go out, they, he's going to go out his, his way. I mean, he's going to go out the way that got him to the Super Bowl in 2000, what was it? 2000, what year did they go? 15, 14? Uh, I can't remember the, the year the, the, the Broncos lost to Seattle. Yeah, that would be uh, Super Bowl 48. Okay. You do the math. Whatever, whatever year that was. <laughs> I was covering the Dolphins then. So, uh, but he's going to go out with, with that system, with what he knows works. And he believes he has the quarterback to get it done. And that's, that's why, I mean, the broader question about this team is, are they, are they good or are they not? Right. And, right. and Vegas clearly thinks they're not. They, some lines set them at five and a half, which was crazy. If anyone who took the under at five and a half just donated money to the, to, to Las Vegas or, uh, they decided that Ryan Tannehill is not going to be healthy. I mean, that, that's the only way. He's won no fewer than seven games in every year of his career. Um, and the floor for this team, I think, is six and ten. I think the ceiling's ten and six. Wow. I think they'll be, I, yeah, I think they'll be somewhere in the middle. I think th- this is not a god awful team. This is not one of the three or four worst teams in football. It's just not. Look, Brinson, they were, if they would have won out last year, if they would have won their last three games, they would have gone to the playoffs after as much of a, <laughs> after as much of a catastrophe as last year was. 
you know, your offensive line coach doing blow and uh, your your star linebacker disappearing the night before the season opener and the hurricane blowing you, you know, blowing away your, your home opener and all that crazy stuff that went on. They still could have run the table and gone to the playoffs last year, and they didn't have to be great teams to do it. The Bills twice and the Chiefs once. Neither of those teams were fantastic teams. They were I mean, they were better than the Dolphins, but they weren't, you know, they were like playing the Patriots in back-to-back weeks or something. It wasn't like that. Um, and, and, and that was with everything. It was with Jay Cutler as your quarterback, okay? And, and, and that was last year. I think this team, as constituted currently, can surprise some people. Do I think they're going to go to the playoffs? No, I think they're an eight-win team. Uh, but they're not a four-win team. I think that's nuts. And, I mean, honestly, like an eight-win season – so Gase is going ten and six and six and ten, and I, I, I look. I buy into. I buy into. I don't know if I buy into your twenty five points per game uh, theory, or, 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 or you know, positing that they're going to be that explosive on offense. But they, I, I do think when you squint at the depth chart, you say, all right, you know, they got some athleticism. Um, on the offensive line, they might have, as a whole, gotten better on the offensive line. Danny Mandola has been a playoff guy, but Devontae Parker is due to actually make a leap. I mean, you know, we get we get too caught up in these guys being good their first and second years. That doesn't actually happen with wide receivers. I, I mean, is there any chance he makes a leap in year three? Uh, uh, year four now, right? That's what Devontae, it's, he's, it's, he's it's, coming it's, up in yeah, the year Yeah, year four, off. you're right. Never mind. Yeah, so no. No, I mean, he just uh, stinks. All right, cool. <laughs> I, I think I, I think going out and getting Amendola and getting Albert Wilson told you they are hedging on Devontae. That's mm. probably the best way to put it. He's still going to get a shot, but they're not. If 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 he doesn't pan out, they plan contingencies for that. Uh, but I just think the broader reason they're going to be good on offense, for instance, is this: two years ago, um, they scored 363 points. They would. One could argue they would have progressed even more if Ryan had stayed healthy and sure. things had gone well from them last year. So 370, 375 points wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility. I think that 400 points is not a huge leap. It's not. And I think that 400 points is 25 points a game. And I think that Ryan is much better than people think. I don't think he's a top five quarterback, and I hate debates like that, but I don't think he's he's not one of those guys you're going to ever think about as being, wow. But you know what? Nick Foles wasn't that guy either. And surrounded by the right system and the right talent, he can make some noise. Players like that can make some noise. And I think you can I think it's fair to put Ryan Tannehill in the Foles type of category. You know, certainly Foles played out of his absolute mind in the playoffs, particularly sure. in the Super Bowl. Uh, but Ryan's had stretches like that too, and people forget about that. I think he is he is so completely far off the radar because he hasn't played since like he hasn't played since Hanukkah 2016. Man. I mean, it's been, it's been so long. It's been, it's been 20 uh, months, right? It's been 20 months since he's thrown a football in a regular yeah, season game. In a regular season game. Or even preseason. He got hurt before the, the preseason game started last year. So um, that's why there is some warranted skepticism. But assuming he's okay, assuming he, he, he pans out and he's the player he was in 2016, this is going to be a, a decent football team. It's not going to be – Awful. There are certainly questions about the defense, and we can probably get into that in the third time we get together. Uh, but offensively, I, I think I think they're pretty good, man. I think they can be pretty good. Um, do you think that there's a chance, and maybe this – I don't know if this comp works. I think it could work. So, like, Jeff Fisher with um, Jared Goff, and then Sean McVay takes over. And I realize Adam Gase is not taking over for, for you know, Ryan Tannehill. He's had Ryan Tannehill, but I wonder if – Adam Gase, who might be sort of a post-hype 
sleeper as a coach, an offensive-minded coach. And people people sort of sleep on Adam Gase too, in the same way that they sleep on Ryan Tannehill, just because of the because of the Dolphins' lack of success last year. I, I wonder could he do similar things to what we saw from McVay and Goff in terms of running that tempo, getting in his headset. You know, you, you heard all the reports of. You know, McVeigh staying in Goff's headset until until like the absolute last second when mm-hmm. the communication cuts off. Is there any chance we see some of that uh, to sort of unveil that 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 tempo style offense? Oh, 100 percent. I think it, we've already seen it. I think 2016 he did that as much as he could. Uh, the the reason they didn't run more tempo in 16 is because uh, the guys the guys around him just had no idea what he, they were doing, right. and so Ryan was spending so much time getting his own players lined up and telling them what the play was. He was he was just he, he, like he, the battery level, I guess, on his brain would go to E every single snap because there were 17 <laughs> different things he had to worry about as opposed to just getting up and saying, here's the play call. Know what you're doing. And uh, the Dolphins believe that they're a smarter team now and they've got a lot. Amendola is no dummy. I mean, I'll give you a quick story on Danny Amendola. Uh, his his first practice, uh, well, second practice, first practice we saw of OTAs this past week was dreadful. I mean, he was terrible. He had two drops and a fumble, okay? And this guy lost his ever-living mind, man. He went nuts. He threw his helmet. He was cursing. We heard him 50 yards away MFing himself, like just completely cursing, losing his mind, and had to have three different people, including his offensive coordinator, go up and console him during the first half an hour of a Tuesday OT or Wednesday OTA in May. They didn't have the Dolphins never had that before. They didn't have that level of uh, perfection. I, like the, he, he is a guy that has to be precise to be successful, and he haven't they haven't had that standard of of of, of excellence at all mm. in that room. They just haven't known that. So, do I think that alone is going to make them better? No, but I think it kind of speaks to why they made the decisions they did. That uh, yes, on paper, do you think that uh, Jarvis Landry is is better than Danny Amendola? Probably. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah. Uh, certainly at this age, absolutely. But they don't think that they, one, they think Landry is a volume player and they don't want to be a volume team. They don't want to throw 160 balls to one receiver for the course of the season. And two, they just don't know. And this is, this sounds trite and cliche, but there's something to it. They don't know how to be a professional football team. They don't know how to win. They didn't have that. They didn't have that for so long because it's been such a dreadful culture here. And I think that helps i think having a guy like amadol having a guy like frank gore who's not going to put up with any garbage at age 35 helps hmm. i mean you're going from jay ajay who i mean when he's not trashing hotel rooms and or, or rental houses in, in in la he's he's taking shots at adam gase you, know, you won a super bowl dude just enjoy life yeah, he's seriously. still petty i mean that's that that they don't have they believe they don't have that element anymore and that alone is going to make that a, 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 a less toxic locker room and they would they would hope a better team on the field. So it's interesting because, you know, the, the whole idea, this is what they've been selling. The Dolphins have been selling this offseason is, you know, we are not, we're going to win our way. But I mean, that has been a theme that, and you've talked about that, but the, we're cleaning up the locker room culture. And, and people have, we talked about, we talked about this the last time before the draft. I think people sort of poo poo it a little bit in the sense of like, oh, like really? Like, are you cleaning up the culture? But you pointed this out and I think it bears repeating that the Dolphins have now gotten rid of Indomitian Sue. And they've gotten rid of Mike Pouncey. And I'm not saying that those are bad guys, but they were entitled veterans who own the locker room by virtue of their paychecks and their draft status and their contracts. 
And now it appears when you look at this team that you are right. There are sort of like you have, you know, like Josh Sitton and Danny Mendoa and Frank Gore. I mean, those are those are like Gase type of guys, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, again, I, I feel like every year I get too excited about this team, and every sure. year they make me look like an idiot. I mean, because the default, the, 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 the default uh, mindset for the Miami Dolphins is they don't know what they're doing. The, 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 the front office is a bunch of morons. Uh, they don't have enough talent. I mean, that's you, you, you look at Las Vegas, that's what people believe. The power ranking is the 31st team in the league, according to, I think, uh, everyone but your boy Prisco has them in the bottom three or four in the entire league. And, and I just think that that's completely too far gone to the other side. Now, I don't want to be a homer. I don't want to swing so far other side that, I'm, uh, that I lose credibility. But the idea that this is just some slappy organization that has no idea what it's doing, it's the Brown South and all that, there just hasn't been evidence to support that. What they have been is largely irrelevant and stuck in the middle for so long. And that's I think that's a fair criticism that you go 7-9 and nine or 9-7 nine and seven or 8-8 eight and eight every year, no one cares about you and you can't get better because you don't have a top five pick and all that. Uh, I think that's fair. But to think that this is some inept group of people putting together a football team is just not – it doesn't match up to the facts. Yeah, and if you look at this team, uh, I think they're 43-50 and 50 in, since 2012 when they drafted Ryan Tannehill. He's 37-40 and 40 as a starter. Clearly didn't play in, in you know down the – or maybe they're, they're close, maybe closer to 500 than that. But you get the point. They're not, they're not the Brown South. They are a team that struggles to f- – figure out a way to really embrace being the second best team in the AFC East because the <laughs> Patriots are there and they haven't, they, they've, they've had enough talent to get to 500, but haven't had enough talent to take it over the top. So let's get out of here on this. Let's talk about the, the you mentioned you would take the over on five and a half wins. I, I think I've probably in my brain been leaning under, but then I start to sort of look at this depth, not the depth chart to look at the, the schedule. They open with the Titans at home. Barring a weather problem, you know, that, that, that's a very winnable game. I think the, I like the Titans a lot this year, but it's a winnable game. Then they're at the Jets. Then they get the Raiders at home. Then they're at the Patriots and then at the Bengals. And then they get the Bears and Lions at home. I mean, it's not inconceivable to be five and two going into no, no. To week there, eight. There's, there's, there, there's, there, their schedule is much more uh, hospitable than it was last year. I, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. I, Look, the way I see it is this. Just do the math. They play four games against the Bills and Jets every single year. And this team should think, be, those teams should be substantially worse in 2018 right. than they were last year, I think. Correct. Correct. Um, if you don't win three or four against those teams, yeah, you're going to be a bad football team. Yep. But you, you would hope that you'd win three or four. They seem to split with the Patriots every single year. Sure. So you're talking now four and two, even out of the division. You're going to go, what would it be, one and nine the rest of the way? No. I mean, the, the NFC North is not any great shakes. And uh, who they have, the, they have the AFC South as well, which actually could yep. be tricky. The, the sleepy, the sneaky best team or best conference in the league this year. I think that has that conference has the potential of being really, really good. Uh, that division, I mean, has the potential of being really, really good. And I, I think it might be the best top to bottom. May, um, yeah, but but now I will say this too. The thing that's interesting about the AFC South is that people are, and I agree with you, people are, people are talking up that division. But if like Blake Bortles stinks and the Jaguars deal with some injuries on defense and they didn't have any last year, right. um, if the Titans don't make a leap 
And if, if the Texans, if Deshaun Watson doesn't come back healthy or that offensive line is terrible for the Texans, and if Andrew Luck isn't healthy, that division, the division could be terrible. Right. Yeah, no, you, you're right. There are a lot of caveats there. But uh, I'm working under the assumption that Andrew Luck will be at least, you know, playing somewhat of the player. Yeah, right. yeah, somewhat of the player he's been in the past. And Deshaun Watson, you know, they pick, people fix knees all the time and hopefully he's okay. Um, and look, the Titans, man, I, I, I think the Titans are due for just a complete explosion. I do too. I think, oh I think that bad. that could be you, – you could see – you could be – you could see them as a team in the, in the conference championship game next year that no one saw coming. Like the Jaguars were this year. I think it'd be the Titans next year, this this coming year that that you just look up and they've won. They've gone eleven and five, and they're hosting a playoff game, and and they're off to the races because uh, the way that team is built, they're built the right way. And I think Mariota's gonna be really good. I think he's I think he's a good player. So are you concerned uh, at all that we both feel that way? Because I would be concerned. Well, it's one hundred percent wrong. Then yeah, I mean it's <laughs> without question. I mean seven and nine is gonna make the playoffs this year in that division. <laughs> it might, it might win. No, but I mean, look, if you're the Dolphins and you can get to like four or five wins going into week eight at the Texans and then you get three more games to close out your bye, to get to the bye in week 11, you're at the Texans, you have the Jets at home and you're at the Packers. Now just go one and two in those games and you're flirting with the wild card. And then you get the at the Colts, the Bills and Patriots at home at Vikings and the Jaguars at home is tough, but you know, those teams, I have a hard time believing those teams won't be dangerous, but I mean, you know, they could be, they could have, they could be clinching or they, you know, they could be battling some, you never, you never know that, that late in the season is too early to project. And then you close at the Bills. I mean, they could win three or four games after their bye because of the way that the schedule sets up and they could win nine or 10 games if things break right. I mean, you're not, you're not crazy. And I, I might be talking myself it's <laughs> over as well. Well, nobody. There's not a soul that saw 2016 coming. Them winning whatever it was, uh, no. nine out of ten. I we mean, didn't nobody, see it, nobody. We didn't stunk. see it midway through the year where they were they stunk. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I would say there there are very few teams that you can just completely write off, and the Dolphins are not one of them this year. Now, if that's what you're going to sell to your season ticket base, that might be a tough <laughs> sell. You know that hey, uh, we're going to be better than you think. Just just give us a chance. Eh, maybe 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 not, but. Uh, I just I want to push back against this narrative that they're going to be god awful this year because um, there's not, no, there's nothing in Ryan Tannehill's history as a starting quarterback that tells me it's going to be an awful team. Again, if his knee's not the same or if he's not the same mentally after going through what he's gone through, which would be totally understandable, then all bets are off. But what what's presented to me from what I've seen from him over the course of his career, and and I kind of like what they've done this offseason. I know a lot of people will crush it, but I kind of like it. Um, this is the team that will be in the conversation first week in December, and we'll see where things go from there. All right. Adam Beasley, at Adam H. Beasley on Twitter. First two-time Pick 6 podcast guest. Excellent writer for the Miami Herald. Took the morning off with his kid and wife in order to record this podcast. We will anger our families no longer, Bees. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining me, and hope you have a great week, buddy. You too, my friend. 